to me, what I'm going to do, I really, um, I, 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 I really don't want to preach. So you're going to have to try and just help me. Uh, that might seem like a strange statement. I, I want to have a conversation. I may get a bit passionate. Well, you can bet your life I'm going to get passionate. <laughs> But I just want to talk to us about, about something that's really, really important. And if I can say this at the very beginning, it's going to sound really negative the way that I'm going to start. But where I want to take us towards the end is, without any hype, I've already said to the guys, I am going to make an appeal tonight. I do get a real sense. I've been praying through this afternoon and uh, just preparing this message. It's been something that's been bubbling in my heart for a few days now. And uh, interestingly, was sparked even more by a great elders uh, gathering last night. And um, this afternoon, just as I was praying and as I was driving home, just felt very burdened. I've just told the core team meeting, just burdened when I was in the car. Just get, had a real sense of burden that came upon me. Um, but not a bad burden that God is wanting to do something, as Josh described. It's almost like... You know, we are believing God for something great, but it just seems small, but it's going to begin to just break out into something that's going to be far greater. So what I want to start with is this. I want to just, you know, it's going to come across as quite negative, first of all, but as I say, it's going to get better. I was reading over a recent article um, that was back in 2016 in The Guardian. Any Guardian readers here? Okay. All right. Hello. (laughs) Hello, sir. Okay. There was a recent survey that had been completed, and um, both the Humanist Society and many of the denominational um, religions of the nation had been involved in it. And the caption in The Guardian in 2016 was this, that those who identify as having no religion now outnumbers Christians in England and in Wales. And then he went on to make this statement, the vast majority of converts that are happening in churches come from other Christian denominations rather than non-Christians or people with no religion. This was the comment. There is a kind of musical chairs. No one is making serious inroads into the non-Christian population. That seems very negative, but that was their findings. Basically, in essence, if you've not got it, all that's happening is that the merry-go-round is just happening and we're just moving people around and we're not making any serious inroads into this nation of seeing this nation one for Jesus Christ. Now, if I can say in the 37 minutes that I've got with you, I certainly don't want this to be information. But actually, rather, I do want there to be an impartation, and that can only come by the Spirit of God. So I've been praying over that um, all afternoon, and as, even as I was here this evening. That can't be manufactured. That is only a work of, of God. But I'm believing for an impartation of the Spirit of God tonight. I want to say I don't come with wise and persuasive words. I really don't. But we're believing tonight for a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I want to just take your thoughts for a moment to a verse of scripture that if you've been around church for some time, you'll be extremely familiar with. I wonder if you turn with me, if you've got it on your electronic devices, don't just look at it on the screen or if you've got your Bible with with you. I wonder if you turn with me to the gospel of Matthew and chapter 28 
and verse 19 and verse 20. It reads in those verses the following. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to say these words were a bread and butter to me because I was raised really in my Christian development, discipleship, leadership in a church in Milton Keynes, pioneered by an apostolic leader. You've heard me mention him many times by the name of George Ridley. And these were certainly his famous, his famous, his, his most favourite verses. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And I want to say, when I heard him talk about this, I was forever captivated by it. Something of these verses captivated me. They just did. As, a, as an 18, 19 year old young man in my formative years, they just captivated me. I want to just make a statement before I move on into just a short story. I, I, I read recently, I've been reading about John Wesley, the founder of Methodism um, in, an, in another era, in another generation. But this is what he said. He said, you have one business on earth and that is to save souls. You have one business on, the, on earth, and that is to save souls. You know, these verses, Jesus is saying these verses, go into all the world and make disciples. As I said, I was captivated by this and as a 19-year-old. And th- this, this story uh, could be told in many different ways and people have done different things. But for me, as a 19-year-old, that meant that I made a decision because I was working in the bank. I would have loved to have been, I guess, a lawyer, a solicitor. But the school teacher said that I wasn't studious enough or clever enough. And so, sorry if you work in the bank, but that's where I ended up. That's, that's where I ended up. It was almost like I went to the bank, but loved working at the bank from the age of 16. Just loved working in the bank as a bank clerk and just working my way through and then going into sales and loved it. But I remember one particular time when the pastor actually announced that they were going to launch a training school that was going to train young men and women in the gospel and pioneering and going forward. And it was going to be called Light Force Europe. And over that year, you were going to be trained and then you were going to be sent out and you were going to be involved in pioneering context. And I want to say I was captivated again by the thought of God could use somebody like me. And so I'd recently asked Caroline, if she would marry me, I know it seems young, but 19 and we were a bit crazy. I'd saved a bit of money up and some people were very kind to me in helping out that over that year, but I gave my job up. Uh, we was now engaged, so I thought at the end of it, what am I going to have? I've got no house, I've got nothing, you know, but I, I really didn't, to be honest with you, didn't give that much thought because I was so captivated by this thought of God could use me and God... I I could be somebody that God could use to touch the world. And so that took me on a journey of giving a year to to God. And it was probably one of the most remarkable years that I've I've ever had in in my life. And 
I have to say, I will just cast it out to you. It's something that we're feeling increasingly impassioned about in this church as we move forward into 2018. That actually, could we create a similar school that begins to train young men and young women in going with the gospel of Jesus Christ, spending their life on something that's so far greater than anything else that we could ever be involved in. And as a church, we begin to live out the, the commission of Jesus, which is to go into all the world and make disciples. But when I read these verses, there's a couple of questions that come to mind. The first question that would come to my mind is this. To whom should I go? To whom should I go? Because if there's a sense in which God is saying to every one of us, go into all the world, my question would be, well, where am I meant to go to? Because not everybody's meant to be now packing the suitcase and going to the ends of the earth. Who am I meant to go to? Well, it's interesting. These verses in a contemporary version, if we could just have them on the screen, says this. That we are called to go to everyone, everywhere. That's where, we need to, that's where we're called to. So we need to go to everyone, everywhere. So I don't know what that looks like for you, but let's have the conversation. Who, 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 who here works? Just raise your hand. Who, who here lives in a house? Okay. Who lives on a street? Who lives in an avenue? Who lives on a close? I mean, we're all got, who lives in a flat? Who lives in the park? We're all there. We, 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 we live around people. Some people work, some people are retired, some people go to school. You know, there's all different kinds of things that we do. And we're, we're all surrounded by people. So none of us have any excuses because God is sending us to whoever we come into contact with. Have you got that? This is really important. God is sending us to whoever we have contact with. So some of you are really fed up with your jobs. At the moment, that's where God wants you. So you've just got to go with it. I'm sorry I've got no more pastoral encouraging words, but that is it. God is just sending you to that particular environment with those particular clients, with those particularly troublesome people, because God wants you there at this particular moment. Can I hear a big amen? That is what God is is about God is wanting to send us to everyone, everywhere. He uses some illustrations of going to the highways and to the byways. He talks about Jesus being a friend of sinners. I love that phrase. A friend to sinners. And of course, the religious people were so ticked off with Jesus being surrounded by these people. He was surrounded by the most unlikeliest of people. I want to tell you, some of them were crazy who he was with and he just spent time with them. Some of them were a bit out there and Jesus was with them. Jesus didn't just go to the nice people of the day. He just connected with whoever wanted to hear him. And actually the worse that they were, the more Jesus was um, gravitated towards them. <laughs> And Jesus went to everyone everywhere in his context of geography. You know, we're called not just to reach nice people, but we're called to reach the not so nice people. Talking with Lisa today, and we was, we, Lisa and I had, a, had an appointment with the MP, Maggie Throop, and we was just talking about some of the issues with regards to drugs within our communities. This would be the same in Ilkeston and Mansfield. There's a drug now called Mamba. Is that right? The Mamba drug. 
Lisa was just relaying an inf- a situation that has happened countless times, but recently where somebody, a, a, a man, it's not, I'm not wanting to sound funny, but just completely off his head, shirt off. You're, you all know when the weather's changing, don't you? When all the shirts start coming off. Thank God my shirt's going to stay on tonight. <laughs> Amen. Okay, but the shirts start coming off, and that's with the blokes. And, and uh, you know, this guy just completely just intoxicated with whatever, and his trousers, thankfully he had his boxer shorts on, just trousers round, and just didn't know what he was doing. I mean, what kind of world are we... I mean, intimidating if you weren't used to it. Rob would know this as a police officer around this area. This happens countless times and times and times. We were talking with Maggie and we said, well, look, we don't, we're not blaming anybody. We're not blaming the, the police. We're not blaming the council. We're not blaming the MPs. We're just saying, how can we begin to think? How can we make a difference in our communities? Can we have some more joined up thinking? I love the fact, actually, I know we're on podcasts, but it was like the church was prodding an MP to say, can we be at the very heart, the church, of fixing some of these things? Because I want to tell you, she said, we have no answers. But deep down in our heart, we, we thought, well, we know who's an answer. His name's Jesus. He is the answer. He really is the answer. You are carrying the answer in your heart. And we're called to go, not just to the nice people, but we're called to go to the not so nice people. We're called to go to our schools, our clubs, our housing estates, wherever. To whom should I go? Well, to everyone, everywhere. You know, this generation, we had a great meeting and Josh was just talking to us about the whole thought of, you know, the 18s to 30s, very connected. Great message a few weeks ago about the, you know, I was going to say the circle of trust, but it was Josh's circles, those that were here on, you know, that, that Sunday morning and talk about influence and friends and from, from isolated to connected. And, you know, part of what they do is they make friends easily. They throw a barbecue. They, they just connect with people. That's probably less so with some of us, but that's how we can begin. We can begin by just connecting with people. We can begin by, you know, over this summer time, believing that we are going to have nice weather. And why don't we have some street parties? Why don't we have a barbecue? Why don't we invite the neighbors round? Why don't we connect with them? There's about four of you believing it. Why, why, you know, why don't we just begin to believe that these connections that we've got, we're just going to have an opportunity to talk to, them, talk to them about the amazing difference that Jesus has made in our lives. And we can just go to everyone, everywhere. And I know some of you are doing it, but I just want to add fuel to you. Just keep on doing it. And some of you, if I can say, aren't doing it, and I'm not wanting to drive your thrash. I'm just saying, come on, guys, let's begin to, every one of us, go with the gospel. You don't have to sign up to a year's mission. And as, as I did, every one of us are called to go into all the world, wherever we are, and make a difference in this world. There are stories upon stories upon stories of people who are having dramatic conversions, dramatic revelation of who Jesus is and and are falling in love with him. And so we should go to everyone everywhere. But my second question is this quickly is, how should I go? How should I go? And what should I go with? Because it's all right saying, well, you've got to go, but what am I going with? There's a story where Jesus sends the, the, the disciples out and he gives them very clear instructions that they're not to take a lot of luggage Going, they need to go in the power of, power of his name. They go to a place and if they receive them, they're to bless that uh, area. But if they don't receive them, they shake the dust off their feet and they walk on. And he gives them clear instructions. And, and in some ways, I think we need to 
hear those instructions again. That actually Jesus is sending us to everyone everywhere. But we need to go with some clear instructions. And this is where I want to just land just four things. I promise you I'm not going to be long. I'm just going to bullet point them. And we're going to move, move forward. But I believe that if we are going to go and... What we are going with is so important that first of all, we go with a hope-filled message. Everybody say a hope-filled message. Just nudge the neighbor next to you and say a hope-filled message. Now go to your second choice on the other side and say a hope-filled message, okay. We often talk about this hope-filled message as being something called good news. Anybody ever heard that before here? Just give me a wave. We say, talk about being good news. Let me tell you this. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. That's why I'm saying to you this, this... You know, I'm trying to make it light and just have a conversation with you. I don't want it to be preachy. But I also need to live in the reality of what we, what we are at the moment just living in. Again, another story because it's fresh in my mind just with a few of the staff and just received a, a text message from Lisa to say um, next door to one of our supported living houses, we'd had some challenges with the neighbor and Debbie had been round to see that neighbour and just to try to bring some reconciliation to it. And thankfully, there was a little bit of reconciliation. And Debbie, I don't know if Debbie's here, Debbie had the opportunity to just talk to this lady who was very, very broken. Very, very broken and doing some very strange things. Just about the love of God. And this lady had expressed that she was on her own and almost like everybody hated her. And, you know, she's in the area she doesn't know and her family don't want her. And Debbie just happened to say to her, listen, there's a church arena. I go to the arena and they'd make a friend of you. You'd be very welcome to come. This was only a couple of weeks ago. Last week we got a message to say she'd hung herself. Now, she didn't mean to hang herself because she was a cry for help, but it was one of those things where she'd hung herself and, and that's it. She's, and we were just talking about the fact that I, I, I really believe and we really believe that actually Debbie just going around there we don't know. We, eternity will tell us, but I'd like to believe that something in those moments of just absolute despair, that she just cried out to a living God. I believe that God is faithful and just. I believe in the cries of her heart, she'd be saved. What I'm trying to say this to you is, is this. There's so much crisis. There's so much brokenness. Um, 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 and we can, we can walk around as though we've got all the time in the world. But good, no, good news is only if we get there in time. It's only if we get there in time. I'm trying to stir up an evangelistic passion in our hearts for us to reach those people that we come into contact with and to make the most of every opportunity. I want to say we have a hope-filled message. It's a message that, that is full of hope. Our series of Easter, as we come to Easter Sunday and as we go beyond the following two weeks, we're going to be talking about hope is here. And that is true. Hope is here. Do you believe that? Hope is here. We carry hope in our hearts. This is not me just banging on and hyping your hope is in our hearts. If you know Jesus Christ tonight, hope is in your heart. 
We need to stop being so hopeless and live with hope in our hearts. In the midst of the messes that we make, in the midst of mistakes that we make, hope is here. And it's the very thing that, again, uh, scientists, social scientists are telling us, it's the very thing that the Western world is devoid of. It's the one thing that they're all identifying. Doesn't matter what age they are, doesn't matter whether they're teenagers or older people, the one thing that pulls them together is that there is a a devoid, there is a lack of hope, and there's just hopelessness. Listen, we have a hope-filled message. We need to carry this message to wherever we are. Whoever we come into contact with, as you're at the petrol station tonight, filling up. Don't you just have to hate fill up petrol when you've come to a meeting like this? I do. I, it just irritates the heck out of me. I think, I want to get home and get a cup of tea. Anybody with me? But you have to fill up the petrol. Oh, dear me. And because I'm a dutiful husband, I want to do it for my wife in the car. She's not here. There's a few brownie points, but anyway. But as we're there, who do we know who's going to come into contact with us? I don't want to go too far, but I believe that God's going to start to give you some revelation about the person that you stood at the side of. He's going to give you something in the heart that you're just going to unlock a door. You've got to believe for that. That God's going to show you something about them. And just the very word that you speak. People, I've heard story after story of people who've just spoken a word. They burst into tears. How did you know that? And they've had an opportunity to just talk to them about the wonderful, generous love of God. We often think that people aren't interested. That is not true. They're not interested in the established church. They're not interested in religion. They're not interested in nonsense, but they are looking for hope. They are looking for the real thing. As Coca-Cola said, this is the real thing. We have the real thing. So a hope-filled message. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. (laughs) Since we have such a hope, We are very bold. Now, let me just tell you with this hopeful message very quickly. Some of you are saying, well, that's great, Christian, but I'm not an articulate person. I can't speak. I'm not very good. I don't want to go on the stage. We're not asking you to. All we're asking to simply, all Jesus is asking you to do, think of it like Jesus is asking you tonight. That's the only way I can describe it. Jesus is just saying to you, will you go with my hope-filled message and just go with what you have? So whatever difference Jesus has made in your life, you go and tell somebody about it. That's all. Don't get hung up that you don't know all the answers. Oh, they're going to ask me a sort of complicated question. They probably will. Just say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you. That'll continue the conversation. We often think that we have to get it all together. Oh, my life needs to be, oh, I thought a bad thought, so I can't talk to anybody about Jesus. That's the enemy at work. Of course you can. There's bad thoughts that we have all around our life. But, you know, we say, Jesus, please forgive us. And we just launch in and just talk to them about the difference that Jesus has made in our life. We have a hopeful message. Secondly, We have Holy Spirit power. This is a Holy Spirit church. That doesn't mean that we're weird. Doesn't mean that we're flaky. Doesn't mean we're rolling around the floors. It just means we we believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's part of the Trinity. He's a person. He leads us. He guides us. He talks to me regular. He convicts me regular. And the Bible records that you will receive power in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. 
You see, as we go, we don't just go with a hope-filled message, but we go with Holy Spirit power. You might say, Christian, I haven't got it in me. I'm too weak. I'm too timid. I get it. That's why we need Holy Spirit power. Because this Holy Spirit power will give you boldness. He'll give you courage. When your knees are shaking and you don't know what to say, he will give you the words to speak. It also talks about in the Bible about this Holy Spirit power. There's an anointing. You are marked. There is a seal that is over your life. And that is where I'm believing tonight that God is wanting to do something. I'm going to invite towards the end people who just want to step into this going. And you're timid and you're weak and you just feel like you can't do it. You are exactly the people who I'm saying come to the front this, this evening. And we're not going to have you rolling around and you know all that kind of stuff. Whatever God wants to do, we'll allow God to do but it really is the heart of it is, you know, you'll be touched with boldness. Something in your heart will change. You'll just receive, you know, a power from on high to say, I'm going to go and do it. A courage, a confidence. Can I hear a big amen? Some of you need a good dose of confidence, a good dose of courage. God has not given us this spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just give us those things, but he also gives us wisdom. He gives us the words to speak. There's been many, many times when I've been in a context and I've not known what to say. And I've been in a conversation and I know the Holy Spirit has just helped me. Just, just dropped a word into my heart. Wisdom. To know how to navigate this conversation round and through. Holy Spirit power. But thirdly, I believe we should go with audacious faith. Audacious faith. I love the thought of audacious. There's a, there's a church in Manchester, our largest Assemblies of God church. Now in our movement, two, 3,000 people that it's got in that church. It's only been going probably 10 years, just full of young people, just full of the life of God. And they call themselves Audacious Church. And audacious means to take surprisingly bold risks. When was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time you did something for the very first time? When was the last time you just let go and just, just went for it? When was the last time you took a bold risk? Some of you guys, this is the last time you did, and you married her 30 odd years ago. And let me tell you, she was no risk. You were the risk. You were the liability. She wasn't. <laughs> Can I hear an amen, ladies? <laughs> Audacious faith. Audacious faith. Now you can't manufacture that. You can't manufacture that. Something that we step into and we just take surprisingly bold risks. I want to just take your attention to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. There's some Bible people out there. You'll know the story well. Peter and John, they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had been poured out. God was doing some remarkable things now in Jerusalem. And literally hundreds and thousands of people were just having a revelation of who Jesus is. It was remarkable from a godless, you know, religious, full of a dead religion to now people just being alive with God. Just communities like this springing up all over Jerusalem. And the biggest failure of them all, and we're going to be talking about him, hope is here, was a man by the name of Peter. Because he completely messed it up. He disowned Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. And Jesus lovingly restored him. And I love how it's Peter. It's Peter on the day of Pentecost who steps in. 
<laughs> you know, there's something about when you've been forgiven much, you love much. <laughs> some of you need to remember how broken you were because some of you, your love quotas have dropped. I'm, it's not a criticism, I'm just saying. You know, I come across people who've been forgiven much and they love much. And Peter had been forgiven much and so he was now loving much. And he stood up and preached a great message. Thousands came to faith. And then on the day when they were going to the temple, (laughs) the lame man who'd been there probably for forever cries out, you know the story. Have you got any money? And Peter and John looked at one another and said, well, we ain't got much money. And they said to him, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, we're going to give it you. <laughs> oh, justice, you've got that. What, what, we, what we've got, we're going to give it you. Are you ready for it? Are you ready? Because they were touched, seriously touched by God. And as they just reached out their hand, probably just laid their hands on the... Instantly, something happened in this man's feet. He began to jump to his feet. Oh, oh, a dance is coming on now, Josh. Come on. Here we go. Okay. Wow. Where is she? Where's Eleanor? She gets every time. There you go. Shall I do the worm? That's too much. Jump to his feet. He was completely healed. How did that happen? Audacious faith. Audacious faith. I believe honestly with all my heart that God is wanting to bring us into a point where we just take some audacious steps. We believe God and we are doing that as a church but we're going to do it individually and we're going to see God do some amazing things. As we do something for the first time. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Audacious faith. We need to go with audacious faith. We need to go with a hope-filled message. We need to go with the Holy Spirit power. But fourthly, we need to go with passionate tenacity. I was looking for something clever to put down there. But that's the only way I could describe it, Linda. We've got to go with a passion in our hearts. You know when it's fake and you know when it's real, don't you? Yeah. You know when you know when you you can smell it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I can smell that. It's not very good. But you also know when it's real. Yeah. And we need to go with passionate tenacity. You know, the last thing I wanted to do is, is drive us with guilt. That is not my intention. If you feel guilty now, may you be delivered from it. In fact, you, you know, you're released, go and have a cup of tea. I don't want anybody to feel guilty. I just want to stir us up with some compassion. I don't want you to have a revulsion. I want you to have a compulsion. I don't want you to be sick of this stuff. I want you to be stirred in your heart and say, I can't help myself. Because as a 19-year-old, I used to say to myself on this light force course, I couldn't help myself, John T. Everywhere there were people. I was just, I was at it. I could not help myself. I couldn't help talking about him. I couldn't help laying hands on people. I couldn't help believing, believing God. I was taking audacious faith steps. I was a complete idiot for Jesus. 
And by the way, that's in the Bible. When it talks about they were unschooled, ordinary people, the Greek word is idiotes. It's true. Unschooled, that's what it means. They were complete idiots for Jesus. They were complete idiots for Jesus. I'm going to say it again because my wife's not here. We're not allowed to say idiots in our house. We were complete idiots for Jesus. Okay, She's not come yet. Okay. But we have a passionate, passionate just something in our heart Mike we can't help ourselves we can't help ourselves with a senior we can't help ourselves with a young person we can't help ourselves with a work colleague we can't help, us, help, help ourselves to just share the love of Jesus and then there's a, there's a tenacity why does there need to be a tenacity because a lot of people are going to say no I've had more no's than yes and I'm not talking about girls that I've asked out I thought I'd have got a bit of laugh than that anyway but anyway I'm talking about introducing people to Jesus, asking people to come to Sunday services, asking them, you know, talking, would you like to know Jesus? No, 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 I don't. I've had more no's than yes, but there's a tenacity in my heart that says, you know what? No is just another word. I'm going to keep going because I'm going to believe for the yes. The next person is going to be yes. Any salespeople here today? Give me a wave if you've been in sales. This is what they teach you, don't they? Don't worry about the no. Just keep going for the next yes. Is that right? Keep going for the, word, the next yes. Keep going for the next yes. That's, it's the same with Christ, this Christian walk. There are some people who are going to say no. And then there are some people who are going to say yes. Yes. You've got to be kidding. This is the best news ever. Yes. You've got to have a tenacity. And that's what's going to happen with some of you when you come here. Because what you've been allowing is you've been allowing the no's and it's been driving you down. So you've stopped doing it. But God's saying to you today, I don't want the no to be the thing that stops you. I want there to be a tenacity that's going to rise in your heart. Tonight it's going to be sparked again. And you're going to keep going until you get the yes and the yes and the yes. That's what God's going to do tonight as we just reach out to him. Four things that we should go with. A hope-filled message. The Holy Spirit power. We're not doing this alone. He goes with us. An audacious faith. And a passionate tenacity. John Wesley again said this. If you catch on fire with enthusiasm, people will come for miles to watch you burn. (laughs) And it's one of the hallmarks of this church. Whoever gets on here, they carry a passion in their heart. We saw it tonight with our guys of letters in worship, with our Josh letters in prayer, with our, hopefully how I'm preaching. There's a passion in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> we mean this. So in conclusion, you may say, okay, Christian, that's great, but are you really sure that God could use me? I'm absolutely certain. There's an Old Testament prophet in the book of Isaiah. And it notes in chapter 6 that he describes himself as a man with unclean lips. Who had unclean lips outside of Christ? Give me a wave. I'm a man. I'm a woman of unclean lips. I'm a man and woman of unclean thoughts. I'm a man or woman of unclean motives. I'm a man or woman of unclean actions. Could all be there. And you think to yourself, this just holy God would say, oh no. But he saw Isaiah's heart. And the Spirit of God 
came and touched his lips. Coals touched his mouth. Holes. You've got to read it for yourself in Isaiah chapter 6. Something happened to this man. And then it goes on in the story in verse 8. If we get it on the screen. And he says, And I heard the Lord say, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, After he touched his mouth, and his clips were, lips were now clean. And the Lord said, Whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And there's almost a sense in which you're here and you're saying, Oh no, God can't use me. I'm, this got wrong and that got wrong. I don't know enough. I'm, I met, did you see, you, you don't even want to see what I was thinking today. And I wanted to punch my boss and I wanted to give him a piece of my mind. And that was just Julie. I don't know. It was just, uh, I'm joking. It's all right, Julie works here in the offices. And we put all these excuses, negatives again. But the Lord came to Isaiah and said, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? And this was the response from Isaiah. The eye is Isaiah. And Isaiah said, What did he say? I think he probably said is, Here am I. God, could you use me? Could, you know, Will you send me? Will you send me? Will you send me to the world? The world might mean my office. The world might mean my this area. The world might mean Mansfield. It might mean another area, but I'm ready, Jesus. I've heard the call. You've touched my lips. You've touched my heart. I'm clean. I'm ready to go. I'm a man of unclean lips. Now I'm clean and I'm going to go in Jesus' name. And here am I. Send me. This evening, I am going to be bold. But I'm not going to be emotional. That I really do want to just challenge people here tonight. Because this is something that's stirring in our hearts as a church. And I know some of you are already doing it. And this isn't an excuse for you to stay in your seats. And if you're already doing it and you feel like you've really got it together, then I want you to come and just lay on some hands on some people and do that sensitively and appropriately and respectfully. But we're going to believe that there are going to be people who, come, who are going to come out who are lacking confidence, who need that tenacity. They just need the Holy Spirit's power. And you know it in your heart as I've been talking. And I believe that God's going to do something here. It's going to start here. I did say to the Lord, Lord, do I really have to do this? This this was my response. Do I really have to do this this afternoon, Lord? Because I'm not a massive, massive fan of big appeals and it gets a bit emotional. And and the Lord just said to me, how many times have you been out to to the front and made a response to me? I says, oh, loads of times. He says, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And sometimes you, wa- you, you wavered, but you came back again. And this is what's going to happen with these people here tonight. God's going to do, I believe he, he said to me, he's going to do a, a work in your heart. It's going to be the start of something. You're going to have to keep coming back to the altar, but God's going to keep doing something in you because he wants to use you wherever you are to go and touch the world. I wonder if we'd stand to our feet. Let's begin to sing this through.